Halloween is not scary because I've seen you. Nope. <laughs> nope. Try again. Halloween is not scary. I've seen you. Nope. Halloween is not that scary. I've seen you before you've coffeed. <laughs> it's freaky. It's pretty fucking scary. It's freaky. <laughs> everyone and welcome to episode oh my goodness we've made it to final digits number 10 final digits did i say final, final digits? digits oh my goodness that doesn't bode well oh, we've double made it to the final digits. digits double digits i meant we've made it to double digits after um, 10 everything's finished well if we were a netflix series this would be a good number of episodes we could be a netflix series this is pretty under budget <laughs> Oh, oh, you got me. Oh, well, welcome to episode 10 of Fuck Them Fish, ADHD for Grown Ups. This is the podcast for people with ADHD, people who think they might have ADHD or people who know somebody with ADHD in their lives. It could be in your workplace. It could be at home, could be socially, could be anywhere. But chances are you do know somebody who has ADHD or another form of neurodivergence. Welcome. Welcome one and all. Thank you for joining us. We are at 33 whole countries. Oh, my goodness. I do not know how it's happening. I didn't even know Jersey was a country. <laughs> we're going to go there straight away. I thought you were like, I am going to oh, get a Jersey. restraining order slapped against And my me. head was like, Jersey or whatever the name <laughs> I'm from Jersey. What is that? Jersey. Oh, you're on about like New Jersey. Yep. In America. Yep. No, Jersey is an incredibly small little island in the UK. Actually, I don't know geographic. I don't know where the flipping political borders are or whatever. But it's where lots of rich people live or have houses. And like, you know, to buy a shed there, it's like 10 million pound or something. Sounds legit. Well, we love you, we Jersey. We have got listeners in Jersey. It's literally like having listeners on, I don't know. Oh, I'm shocking at geography. I shouldn't have even started that sentence. Geography, like the treadmill you don't use. Geography. Oh, I was like, what? What? Or geography. Geography. You what just said say? geography. 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 Get stuffed. Like a half runner. I'm a geographer. I'm a geography. A yog. Yogging. I'm a yogging. What'd you study? I'm a geographernarian. Geographernarian. <laughs> Someone who studies joggers. Oh, my goodness. Um, actually, it's yogging. 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 Yeah. Do you know what movie reference that is? Yography. Do you know what yogging's from? No? No. Anchorman. Best movie ever made. Uh, Just Anchorman saying. Anchorman is not Just the best movie ever. Best freaking movie ever made. I'm no. in a glass case of emotion. Anchorman yep. is not the best movie ever. Sure. Pirate hooker. Whatever. Boom. It's a bit rude. You've never seen the movie. But if you're you had, the one, you'd be throwing them back at me right now. You're the one sitting there in the Sea Shepherd jumper. What? I don't get... What? Why is that a thing? Well, I'm not the pirate hooker. Oh, I am not putting two and two together today, am I? This does not bode well. No. I'm going to not win today. No, it must be all your geography. No, it's yog. Does that mean it's, does that mean it's Jersey? 
Oh, yeah, actually, it could be Yersey. Welcome, Yersey. Welcome, Yersey. Um, we also have so many other countries, so many, actually, that I can't remember them all. I know we have the United Arab Emirates. We have Iraq. We have New Zealand. Hi, New Zealand. Sure. Come and join us for a party that, that on sound. the dick. <laughs> we, we can keep going with all our terrible accents. <laughs> Sorry, you're, when I'm laughing like that, you're supposed to keep talking so no. that people don't get bored. I'm looking at you in shame. <laughs> shame. It is shame. I am very sorry, New Zealand, for having done that to your accent. It was not acceptable. I have taken it on board. Please don't leave us. I will not be doing. We have like Finland, Switzerland, Sweden, Denmark. I will not attempt any of their accents. Is that better? I think you can just stick with yeah. 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 No, no, we're not. We'll not do it. Not going to do it. But there are so many countries who've joined us. We're very, very excited to have all of you here. Obviously, our biggest listener group is in Australia, and I don't know that we give enough love to our Australian listeners. G'day, mate. Throw another shrimp on the barbie. Sure. That's what all Australians sound like, apparently. Really? Is that yep. is that a thing? You're Australian. Yeah. You are Aboriginal Australian. You watch any TV show... G'day, mate. Throw another shrimp on the barbie. Crack us up Fosters. <laughs> I did think you all drank Fosters when I first came over. No. And Forex. Australians wouldn't give a castle main Forex for anything else. <laughs> that was the advert. And it was an advert where they're in the outback and there was a massive redback, although it was supposed to be a redback, but it was the size of a huntsman. And somebody in the in the Danny in the Danny mate. Do you know how you're always like? I don't have an English accent. I've got an Australian accent. Well, I don't. Um, mm-hmm, no, I have a wonderful accent. Mm. Actually, I could tell you a story about my accent. Let's do, talk on a boo 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 side quest. Oh, where's this thing? Are you doing a side quest jingle? I'm gonna try. At some point, we are gonna put the side quest jingle on one of our buttons. Pack your bags, it's time to go. It's time to side quest from the show. It's side quest. Side quest. It's side quest. All right, anyway, so my accent, interesting story behind my accent. So I was born in Wales and moved to England. Moved to England when I was, oh, it was just before my eighth birthday. And I moved to a little village called Wrighton on Dunsmore. Hi, shout out to Wrighton. Um, Wrighton on Dunsmore, what can we say about Wrighton? Well, it was in the Doomsday book. Big That's up, about Wrighton. it. No, don't. Anyway, so, um, but yeah, so born in, and sorry, lived in a little village there. But when I first moved there, I got bullied mercilessly for my Welsh accent. Did you just try to lean away from the microphone to swallow your tea? Because let me tell you, the headphones picked it up. Wicked. Were you Good. the biggest galley in the village? Anyway, so moved to Wrighton and Wrighton is near, it's kind of in the middle of Coventry, Birmingham Rugby and Leamington Spa, which if you know anything about British geography. Geography? I'm going to, I just, I swear to God. Um, it is in the Midlands, right? You shouldn't swear to God, that's rude. It's in the Midlands and in the Midlands, it's they like don't the have the best accent to my ears as a, as a seven, nearly eight-year-old, and I got bullied mercilessly. Like, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to call out anybody 
But day one, when I started at Wrighton Primary School. Day one. I know I'm slipping into the into the Ryan you accent. Are. Yeah. Um, when I started at um, Wrighton Primary School, they went up a year later in England to what they did in, the, in Wales, right? And that was bad enough because I had actually been put up in school. And so not only was I no longer at the year I, and studying stuff I'd been used to, I'd actually been up anyway. Anyway, so what was I talking Accents. And so I refuse to have their accent. I do not sound anything like my brother and sister. Just straight up refused, not doing it. Absolutely refused. So I was like, I will get rid of my, I literally trained myself very, very quickly not to have a Welsh accent. And, you know, I can look back at it now. And of course it all plays into the whole ADHD thing because of the fact that I masked quite literally my Welsh accent comes out when I'm drunk, as you know, or when I'm really angry, I get very Welsh um, accent wise every day. But I forced myself not to sound Welsh, but I also, and I remember this so clearly, it was a very, 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 very deliberate, very um, specific thing, refused to sound like the people in the village. And so I have this weird hybrid accent. Two takeaways. Ooh, takeaway. Bullies are bad, okay? <laughs> Don't be a bully. Bullies suck. Two, just realised you said that when I had a drink before the headphones picked it up. Headphones don't pick I up know, sounds. I know. Boom. <laughs> Booyakasha. Get on your geography. Oh, my goodness. I know. I thought that when I said it and then you didn't say anything and I was like, oh, I got away with that. Nope. No. Okay. Damn it. Nope. Um, no. Day one, I did it again. Day one at um, the, the primary school in Wrighton, it had its own little primary school. And Mrs. Smith, the headmistress, she was lovely. She... um. The person, if they listen to this podcast, will know it's them. Um, and we became friends after. But anyway, she was like, yes, Mrs. Smith, I'll show Callie around. I'll make sure she settles in. And she was like, Mrs. Smith was like, this is blah. She is, you know, so friendly. She will look after you. She'll make sure that you have a great first week. And it was like a movie. She was like, yes, Mrs. Smith. And then the second, shut up. Then the second Mrs. Smith walked away. This girl turned to me, so we were seven, eight. Hmm. I'm not going to be your friend. Nobody's going to be your friend because you talk stupid. And that was why I changed my accent. There and then, literally got rid of my accent, pretty much. Just gone, got rid of it. But even then, I was still so freaking stubborn. I didn't want their accent because I thought it sounded stupid. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I kind of sound like I've got a weird hybrid kind of, not not Midlands, although there is Hinto Midlands accent in mine. But So you're still Hinto ghetto? Hinto, I wouldn't call it ghetto. You're right. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> honestly. You can take the girl out of the Midlands. Honestly. But you can't take Google the Midlands the accent, out of the girl. If you've never heard the accent. I loved living, actually, where I live, brilliant people, like real salt of the earth type of people, but... Um, yeah, accent. I remember being on holiday with somebody <laughs> on holiday at one point with my parents and my family. And, and I remember somebody there was like cabaret and stuff and, and they went round and I was, must have been about 10. And this guy, they were like, now, you know, what's your name? Where are you from? Type of thing, you know, through the audience. And this bloke was like, my name's Dave and I'm from Coventry. <laughs> and I just went, nah, I am out. I am not from Coventry. <laughs> To be fair, though, 
For all I know about everything that's British, everyone has a mate Dave. Oh, my mate Dave. Everyone, We've all got my mate Dave. Everyone's yeah. got a mate Dave. Everybody has got my mate Dave. Um, I'm noticing that your microphone stand is right in the way of our eye line and we both keep like do- dopping, ducking either side of it. Trying. To I don't know what I'm working other. with tonight. Oh, we're we're, in, the, we're in the final digits. We're yogging. All I'm going to say geography, is... geography and now you're dopping and you're drinking. All I'm going to say is I'm a glass of wine and this is a mojito in. So, you know, I'm making no promises. Smashing back those mojitos. Mojitos. Um, and you've got a margarita. And a cup of tea. And a cup of tea. <laughs> what a combination. A, having a cup of tea with a margarita chaser. All right. So this is the Halloween edition. Welcome to the Halloween edition. Everybody trick or treat yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're such a Muppet. I am not a Muppet. Um, So this is a lot of fun. What we thought we might just do the entire episode like this. Why are you looking at me with your resting witch face? (laughs) Oh, that probably broke a few windows. I'm so sorry, everyone. I was a bit caught by surprise on the resting witch face. Actually, we have had a lot of people get on board with what I put up um, about your resting butch face. Winning. A lot of people have started to get on board with that and started to use it and talking about their partners with their resting butch faces. How are you going actually looking for your new husband? Well, to be fair, when I put about mashup with husband and I put number three, as in mashup number three, a lot of people were like, oh, I wonder what husband number four will be like. <laughs> well, I made it to three, so one and two were no good. Yeah, it's true. Um, so it is our Halloween edition today. It is the Halloween edition. It's uh, Halloween Eve, is it? No, no. We're no. recording on the Friday. Halloween's on the Monday. So it's actually the 28th today. Halloween weekend Eve. Weekend Eve, yeah. It's what? What's the time? It's quite late. Yeah, quarter to nine. I think it's because so we've got Halloween little shindig tomorrow. We have. That... We've got our annual Halloween party. We've been doing it for seven years. Something like that. Yeah. But it is quarter to nine. Let's keep this one short, shall we? Let's just be like... Sure. Let's And when we say short, that means we'll be at least an hour. Let's try and keep this episode in final digits. Final digits? That'd be nice. Yep. Good. Um, So today's episode, we were... Well, it's Halloween. We've, as you say, we've got a party tomorrow. So... Let's talk about Halloween, shall we? What, what, What do Australians think of Halloween, Lachlan? Halloween... We're not anything like America. Halloween is not American. Halloween is totally invented in America. (laughs) I love that you're playing the fool guy here. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, what do we say to Halloween being American? Not that. Oh, stop. Oh, so when you hit it three times in a row, does it make it any better? No, it was the wrong one. What do we say to Halloween being in America? Halloween is British, just like most things that are in our calendar nowadays, in the Western calendar, it was a pagan festival, not American. And as a Brit, I grew up, Halloween was the best time of the year, especially because we grew up, you know, like, I don't want to say poor, my mum listens, but she was a single parent. And when we were in the UK, it was just us, three kids with my mum. Um, 
flipping honestly I don't know how people are single parents I just think they're flipping superhumans but they yeah so so we didn't have a lot of money for things like sweets and stuff and you'd go trick-or-treating not only did we get loads of sweets or lollies as you call them here candy for our American listeners we we would get money as well like the amount of people that would give money on trick-or-treating you'd get money not just not just chocolate or whatever and then so trick-or-treating on 31st of um October then we had Guy Fawkes night of November. Remember, 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 remember the, the 5th, 5th of November. November. So we had Halloween where we'd get shared loads of chocolate and sweets and money. Then we'd do Penny for the Guy. And for any bit of you who don't know about um, Guy Fawkes, oh my goodness, it's kind of side quest number two. Shiz, we're going off on it tonight. So Guy Fawkes tried to blow up the Houses of Parliament. So every year you would do Penny for the Guy. You'd have a bonfire, generally go down the Royal British Legion um rsl for australians um but you go down the local club they'd have a massive bonfire people would all bring their guys you'd all throw your guys on and you make your guy out of like old clothes and newspaper and stuff like that have a ball of a time you always had toffee apples even though they're the worst thing they like smashed your teeth they were dreadful but also you always had one you'd always have a jacket potato um and you'd always do things like apple bobbing potato jacket potato yep Amazing. Love a good jacket potato. You need to get on that more here in Australia. Not a tater. Tato. Yeah, jacket potato. What? You make potatoes sound so posh. <laughs> no, no. Have a jacket potato. It's a potato. <laughs> Told you it's my fake accent. Um, but yeah, so um, and then you do apple bobbing and Live Google is Halloween American. Why do you even do that? Why you try to play me like that? Like, you know it's not. So, first result, Halloween originated in Europe. Mm-hmm. Second result is not new. It originated pagan Christian traditions in the British Isles. Third result, the Celts. 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 Do you know what Celt is? Um, not the Celtics. Yeah, well... The yeah. Boston Celtics. Not them. I no. know it's not them. Not them. I'm not going to be able to give you a adequate answer right now. Okay. Yeah, Celts are... Um, they were a particular group in a certain period of time in history in the British Isles. Um, nowadays, you would see a lot of people who are Scottish or Irish potentially... That's um, what it's saying here. Being Gaelic Festival, to, Scotland, yeah. Ireland, British Isles. Mm-hmm. The Isle of Man... Isle of Man. No women there. This time of year, we'd get loads of chocolate and loads of money, and then that would just about do us until Christmas when we would start going caroling and then get a shed load of money then as well. The end. Loved this time of year. Not American. However, I will say the Americans supersized the shiz out of here and definitely a lot of the fun traditions, or fun traditions, that's kind of like, it's a bit of a misnomer, but a lot of like the trick-or-treating that we know today... It's definitely better because of the, the way Americans better run up. with it. Better Although, up. unless you're Australian and you're just getting into this whole trend of Halloween, then it's treat or treat because <laughs> there's no tricks ever brought to the there door. There are no tricks There's just basically ever. give us some candy, lollies, what other sweets. Yeah, chocolate. Just And then a lot of people turning up 
in no costumes. Yeah, or you get them and they'd pull like this plastic mask from the reject shop up on their face and that'd be it and they'd just be wearing their normal clothes. Yeah, that took the make that takes the make a bit. But do you know what we used to do when we were kids? It's actually really bad. We no, used to egg when people's you're a houses. Kid, when you were a kid, I wasn't born. Oh, shut up. I didn't go trick-or-treating when I was five. Well, I, I did, but I didn't do trick. Did. But I didn't do the trick stuff. But we used to egg people's houses. Or you throw water and then flour, which obviously turns to glue. Um, or you'd put an egg through someone's letterbox. Honestly, it was really bad. Like, Why? Why would you do that? Because that was the trick. It's not a trick, though. That's vandalism. Exactly. Well, <laughs> we wouldn't do it now. But that's what it was. You do trick-or-treating. And if they if somebody was enough of a prick... To say trick, then they would get like flour you loved and it water. though, didn't you? You loved it. You did it. How how often would you say you did it? Not very often at all. Lies. Legitimately, I can see, not I can very see often. Your at eyes all. light up. No, no, like not at all. Like I've always been a stickler for rules. I've you not, can remember that one old grumpy person who you I used can to remember get every year. in my head. You're not that a stickler for rules. Per, you are person. not a stickler for rules. You've got me in trouble a few times over the course of life. Maybe. But that's on you. <laughs> you tell me. That's on you. You tell me. Because I am not the boss of you. Because you are no good at patience, you tell me to park in the IKEA park, car park that's got the electric vehicle hose. Oh, that's a stupid rule. I would never park in a disabled or a parent's spot. But yes, nobody has electric vehicles here in Canberra. Of course they do. Nobody has of course them. They do. Those Otherwise, three spots right near the entrance are always empty. Not always empty. Oh, no, I've seen one person in them before. I've never seen anyone with an electric vehicle in them before. Clickety-clack on your Magito. 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 Um, yeah, that is a stupid rule. See? But I refuse. I say But I never no. try. I always know. I've never done the things that would cause harm. No, woman, I won't do it. Don't be a jerk, lantern. <laughs> I don't even mind that you're looking at your phone to get, get these off it. I can't remember them all. No, oh dear. All right, look, what else has happened this week before we get into our topic? We haven't even told anyone the topic for today. Haven't we? What's up, my witches? <laughs> topic for today. We said last week we were going to come back and revisit the ADHD, the new Australian guidelines. So we're going to get to that. Noting, please, everyone, we have not said it. We're 20-odd minutes in and we have not said we are not professionals. Need to remind you all of that every week. No, to be fair, I don't know that we need to remind people. I think they get it that we're not professionals. I'm pretty sure by now they can sense the lack of our professionalism. Well, our episode nine, the music episode, holy shnikes, that one went off. We've had a lot of interest in that one. So people don't necessarily listen from the beginning. So we do need to say each time we're not professionals. We're not. We're not. No. But we, we are. We do speak to professionals fairly regularly. We do. Mm -hmm. We are the ghostess with the mostest. I like that one. That one's good. Um, we were actually talking about speaking with professionals. We're going to have Dr. Die back on soon to do our women's and uh, AFAB episode. So any issues that affect women or people who may have a uterus uh are that we'll be look, looking at those things soon so that's the menopause that or people is interested in uteruses because, yeah or when you if there's a collective is it uteri uteruses uteruses maybe i think uteri does sound good i don't know, don't know. 
a pod of utes. <laughs> a gang. Oh, a gang would be good. Yeah. What do they call um, gangry. owls as a parliament, isn't it? How about a wisdom of uteri? Oh, I think it's more like a gangry. A gangry? That yeah. sounds like gangrene. That's No, because nice. it's part gang, part angry. All right. So what else happened this week? I know what's happened to you this week. What was the funny thing that happened to you at the weekend at the mall? I can't think, but I did just try and have a drink out of my cup and slipped off my chair. <laughs> that what happened at the mall if i were to say let's talk about some of the fans we've had approaches it sounds like we're being really narcissistic but i think it just blows our mind that people actually listen to the podcast i thought something actually something else happened at the mall and i was racking my brain but i got stalked at the mall oh stalked is a bit strong come on no that's following me following me on an escalator so (laughs) Or a travel later, so they were just behind me following at a distance, (laughs) safe distance. And then I heard Lockie and I turned around and I was like, oh, hello. They said, I'm Callie's friend and I listen to your podcast and you guys are amazing and you're clearly the better of the two. And I was like, you know what? (laughs) I got you. I don't believe that's that's what they said, to be honest. I got you, boo. You know, that's fine. That's fine, whatever. Um, but, yeah, I just thought that was the best thing ever. And then for me today, I just had a lot of fun. We, we we get a lot of people contact us that we don't know, so they'll send us voice memos or whatever. And we're not going on about it because we think we're the shit, right? We say it because it genuinely brings us so much joy when we get somebody say that they listen, and I just freaking love it. Um, but I had somebody today, I had to call them about something, and... They were like, hey, can you give me a call? And it was it was a work-related thing. And then as I called, <laughs> as I called, um, it was on a video call. And they they said, uh, they were like, now, before we get started, I've never met this person in my life. I just want to say I'm really excited to speak to you because, you know, I've been listening to your podcast and I love it. And I was just like, oh my God, I don't know what to say. It was amazing. Did they ask for me? No, no, just, they didn't. Just, just they didn't ask for you. No. Just checking because I believe my person put up a post saying that they fangirled me. They did. I've never yeah. been fangirled before. Yeah. Well, to be fair, they put it on social media, so we can mm. probably say your name. Shout out, Megan. How you doing, Megan? Megan. Which I think she uses Megan. Thanks. Now I've completely overthought that. Thanks for following me on she the Travelator. She was following you. She you, was going in the same direction. You can't go in opposite direction on the same Travelator. She was following me. No. No. Yes. Alrighty, so should we move into this week's topic? Yes. All right, so we did say we were going to come back and we were going to talk a little bit about the new Australian guidelines for um, diagnosis and treatment of ADHD. And like I said last week, this is a really, really big deal. Now, we're not saying this is going to be the solution to anyone and everyone's problems that suddenly we're going to solve diagnosis and treatment of ADHD. However, this is massive, you know, for such a collective of experts to have come together and say, why don't we put out guidelines so that there is some form of consistency? Because we hear all the time about people who try to get diagnosed and they get knocked back. 
It is a massive deal. And also with some of the concepts they've come up with saying like these are the improvement areas that um, considering Australia hasn't had any of their own formal guidelines before, that they're going, look, these are the things we need to work on and these are the problem areas and these are the areas that we can address in the future that can make things better for those who are trying to uh, go down that path of ADHD diagnosis. Yeah, and, you know, sometimes it feels like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, right, Um, when you have ADHD, especially if you're looking at a late diagnosis. So we have gone through this now as parents of a person who has um, ADHD and some other um, challenges as well around anxiety and things, which is quite common, Um, but also for me as an adult. And it really does feel like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't, because as we've talked about, I'm not going to go on about it again, but as we've talked about, getting a diagnosis can be really hard and these guidelines aim to try and make it a bit easier. And because getting a diagnosis can be so inaccessible, we have been advocates for self-diagnosis as being valid while you are waiting to get a formal diagnosis. Now, I support the self-diagnosis. However, I do think that people should pursue a formal diagnosis as and when they are able to. If that means getting on a wait list that you know is going to be two years in the public system and during that two years you are self-diagnosed, I think that is perfect. You know, it's perfectly valid. But I don't think people should say, well, I'm self-diagnosed, therefore I'm never going to attempt to get a formal diagnosis. Um, I do think that it is a um, complementary. I don't, you know, that, that that's just kind of where I'm at. Self-diagnosis is valid, but as and when you can, you should attempt to get or should try to get um, the professional support that can go alongside the formal diagnosis. Well, it's like our lovely Dr. Dye said, if you have read up on a thing or if you have, you know, researched a thing, talk yeah. about it because... A good GP will listen. Mm. They're not there just to recite or tap into their computer and find out what they are going to make up from your diagnosis. They're going to listen to you and go, okay, well then let's look into that and let's talk about that because ADHD, as far as I can gather, is unless it's the specialty or the interest of a GP or a medical professional, then you're kind of, that's where the gap is. That's where these new guidelines come into play is that people who or you know medical professionals who do not have the experience have something they can turn to to be able to assist and hold those conversations with people absolutely and people can't see me but I just nodded like vehemently um yeah I think that's exactly it and you know it's not going to be able to solve for those people who refuse to but get on board with the idea that ADHD is anything more than made up however um the, the opportunity to provide a level of consistency around what diagnosis needs to look like and so that some people don't go and get a diagnosis from or aim to get a diagnosis from one person or one professional and then have an entirely different experience with another professional, which is what happens at the moment because people do the best they can with the information they have. And if you're a health professional who has no information or minimal information or minimal experience with something, then you can't be expected to really deliver the same level of service as somebody who is a, who has like, you know, got an expertise in it. 
And also, you can't know everything. Even as a GP, you can't know everything. And obviously, when you were going through your training, like before you became a GP, you had a specialty or something that interested you and you carry that with you. So, I mean, that was one of those cool fun facts that um, Dr. Dye said and that was that when you look up a GP, they'll usually put up things that are their topics of interest or things that they're trained in on their website. Yeah. Like... That's a really cool thing and I don't know whether all GPs do that but no. I think they should. I really think they should because that will assist people in how to identify who they want to speak to. Yeah, and we should say by GP that is a very British or Australian term. It means general practitioner which is like a family doctor um, in some other parts of the world. So um, your primary healthcare provider. Mm. Yeah. Look, there are a lot of doctors who did their training before the DSM-5. So before... You know, ADHD became ADHD before, like, the the guidelines changed. And this really does attempt to address the balance, I think, here in Australia. And hopefully... Well, also providing the guidelines. So there's the, the, the couple of points of interest that I have read through that I really, really, really have uh, stuck with and gone, you know, these are going to be good things for the future, uh, especially when they put more um, support and research behind it was one of the key points was that parents and carers of children with ADHD should be offered training and support when a child is diagnosed. And that I cannot just state how complimentary that would be because every child is going to be different Mm -hmm. and so there's no, here, here's a book of one size fits all. Um, I have to adapt probably weekly. Daily, I'd say. For our small child. I'd say daily. Um, I don't know if I can adapt every minute of the day but I kind of do that for you um because you're a pain in the butt yeah okay because there's Um, definitely no adaption going adaptation going the other way pain in the butt yeah okay Um, but no for the for the small child because as she's growing she's changing and then she's learning and she's coming in out of waves where she understands that she's different from other children yeah um and so trying to get her to recognise her strengths. Yeah. The fact that she's been reading since before she was two and writing is... is That's amazing. Getting her to focus on that's that's an amazing yeah. quality. Absolutely. Um, and so... Do we want to talk about the win that we had at school? Can we take a bit of a... Should we take a moment for that? So the small child has just been put up into year two. So she's in year one and she's been put up into year two a little bit early uh, because uh, things just weren't, they weren't going well in her current class. Um, things, things just weren't clicking. They weren't clicking. Yeah. And, you know, we engaged a lot with the principal and the executive teacher, both of whom are incredibly wonderful people. Um, and the idea was, came up with the idea that rather than moving her into a different year one class, Given her academic standard and, you know, the fact that we're in term four of the year, that would put her into year two. And oh, the absolute change goodness has been has been amazing to watch. It has. Which, I mean, when you think about it in terms of these guidelines and things like that and, Mm. you know, taking it's taking a chance, right? It is. Taking a chance on a situation. Training that you're talking about. This is what it's for, right? It's about. It's training to say, let's look outside of the box. Let's not try to use neurotypical responses and toolkits to help this very neurodivergent child. But also if you think about, you know, just over history, 
how many children would have benefited from, yeah. say, going up a year level? I went level? up a year. Yeah, I went up two years at one point. I, I mean, even if they, a structure could be if we use our small child as an example for what she's just gone through, but moving forward, if a child does year one and does first three terms and then moves up to year two and then does their four, four terms. terms, meaning that by normal four term of the following year, they move up to year three. Yeah. And that's the cycle of how they progress until they get to a point where yeah, ma- ma- where, they, where they do or where don't. Where it equalises. Yeah. Where it just equalises. I mean, how, how do we not know that's not a better way to work with some children? And maybe it's not for neurodivergent children. Maybe it's just for generally a lot of kids. Yeah. Kids and yeah. why do we have to stick to that structure yeah. that is rigid and set out in a way that yeah. accounts for everyone to be in the same box? Yeah, and I have to say the fact that the school did this, uh, we were in a dreadful place. Like we we've not we've chosen not to talk about it too much here. Like we've we've given a little bit of an update, but two weeks ago, our seven year old was saying she wanted to unalive herself best way to put it yeah to not be alive anymore and she would say that and she doesn't understand regularly she understands Mm. what that means but she doesn't understand that in the context of how she's saying it that's that's the important thing to to put out there but she would say it through her tears she would say it with a lot of anger she would say how much she hates herself how she's the one that's she hates her adhd she's so different people don't understand her and she wishes she could just yeah and I'm very conscious, I'm trying not to, deliberately trying not to say the words because they can be very, very triggering, um, but it has been just a it's, dreadful it's, few weeks. It's been hard to navigate. Two months. Um, mm. But that's all changed. Like, I don't want to be, I don't want to, like, I'm touching all the wood here, but since she started a transition last week from, to, to year two, and again, it was brilliant. She had one day she was supposed to be back in year one and she had a full meltdown, but then this week, she's been fully in year two. And yes, she was unwell and we've had a pupil three days. So technically she's only been there for three days, but those three days. She's been running out the door ready to go to school. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, getting that's, that's, like having, that's like having your kid back. It really is. That's exactly what it's like. It's like having her back. And I'm really trying not to get emotional here because it's been awful. And we've just been, we've just been dory. Just keep swimming. Just, just trying to swimming. trying to just get through each day and trying to get her to focus on the positives. Mm. But that's that's. I mean, I guess that's why these guidelines are going to be there, and you know they will adapt and they'll evolve and you know they'll change. And perhaps this is one of the things that we can look at and um, hope that in the future is a good change. Is that um, you know situations like this, if it's going to benefit a small person as they are growing and developing, why not move them early? Yeah. And we've said it before, schools have no resources for this. They get no funding for ADHD kids. It's not it's not covered by NDIS, the National Disability Insurance Scheme. So schools get no funding for it, right? There is That means there's no funding for training. That means there's no funding for additional supports that the the children might need. Legitimately comes down to a teacher or someone saying yeah. like, I want to read up and learn about this and yeah. to make myself as knowledgeable as possible to assist a small mind. Yeah. And, and teachers have so much already like, and I get it. It's really hard. Like 
we all the way through this were really trying not to let it be personal we were really trying not to get angry and really trying to work within the system it got to the point where we were like we need to step outside of this now it's been going on for too long and we need to say enough is enough and and the school responded to that so um but you know it's very hard when you see your your little human who you know is like your heart on the outside go from I love school can't wait to go to school to I don't feel safe and I never want to leave the house which is she's recently been diagnosed with social phobia and social anxiety she never wants to leave the house it's a struggle every time and that's because she doesn't feel safe outside so we're working on all that we have psychologists and we have all sorts of things going on with that so but these changes like moving her up has made a massive difference Mm. and so you know big shout out and bless to um, the supports and the system that we were offered and you know we really really appreciate and respect that like that's yeah absolutely and that fits in a broader thing though right so back to the guidelines we have a psychologist for her now but of the three sessions two have been for us so this idea the training and education for parents and teachers that's been critical it's been critical what did the kid talk about the other day what's it called the the amygdala. The amygdala. She's like, yeah, the the amygdala can't, the amygdala. Even, I can't even spit it out. Easy for you to say. Yeah, the um, amygdala. The amygdala is this fr- part of your and brain, the of your brain and, the, and the frontal front. lobe and yeah. this is what this happens and I'm like, okay, so you're teaching me now. But that's what the psychologist person. said to us as well, yeah, that the stuck, amygdala is at the back of the brain and that's where your emotions are and I'm going to be horribly bracing this now and, and there'll be psychologists out there going, stop it. But the amygdala at the back of the brain is overactive. And you've got the hippocampus next to the amygdala. I love the hippocampus. It's brilliant, it just, isn't it? And then you've got the frontal lobe, the frontal lobe where all of the like rational thought and reasoning and decisions so like your executive function and um, all that type of thing all sits in the frontal lobe. And what's happening is there is a disconnect between the two. So the amygdala is overactive. You're constantly in fight, fight or flight. And it was at this point all the psychologists... All the psychologists kind of gave up on us, I think, and left the room. Um, But no, that's kind of what happens. And so that's what the psychologist was telling us about. But obviously they'd had, so our psychologist had one conversation with our small person. And gosh, we got so much insight into like what he was saying. And this education for parents. Oh my God. Like we are the type of people we are where I have hyper fixate. We made a freaking podcast for God's sake about it that's who we are and we still struggle to know enough and we need that professional support and how lucky are we that we can afford to because holy shit it's expensive well it's kind of like when you have that i'm going to call it the take on me moment the take aha. me on oh the aha moment okay where it's only like now where most people are like oh you know your baby's not sleeping or you know your toddler's not sleeping oh it's what they do I always knew when she was learning something new because she couldn't settle until she figured it out. Yeah. And you knew that was going on. But I was frustrated. I'd be like, just go to sleep, mate. And I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Now she's seven and now they're like, hey, look, you know, child's got ADHD and these are the things that are going to go along with it. And I'm like, take on me. Aha moment. Yes. This take is why. on me. Take me. Edit that out, aren't Probably. I? Probably. <laughs> um, I'm leaving it in. Do it. I don't care. I've never claimed to be a great singer. Um, 
probably best. When you, I still do the theme song and people love them. But the fact that it took until she was seven for someone to say, this is why she can't switch off. And you're like, then you start hitting back all those moments in time where you're like, just settle, mate, just do this, just do Mm. that. And feeling shit about your parenting because you're having all these moments flood back where you were just getting frustrated at a thing. And it's because toolkit wasn't there, didn't know. How did you feel when the psychologist said parenting ADHD kids is really hard? This is not your fault. I got a bit teary because he was like, it's hard, especially having ADHD myself. But he was like, it is hard to parent kids with ADHD because they require different things and there just aren't the supports out there for them. But when he said that, I was just like, it is hard. It is a hundred percent, but you. It's really but hard. It, it's when it was hard for my mum. It's hard for us. It's it's exactly how I said it to him. I said, "Yeah, like, I was like, it is hard." Now imagine me being in the middle and the best of both worlds. Oh, you can shut up. And he I said, tell you what, and he agreed. At some point, we're going to talk about your shit. And he agreed, and he was like, "Yep, you've got it going." Mm-hmm. But it is very different. It's very different. Uh huh. This my shit. Oh, the good. Sorry, sorry. I don't even know what's going head. on anymore. Hey, I've got some good vampire puns. Have you? No, they all suck. Oh, (laughs) Oh, no. Most important bit about these whole guidelines is the summary of recommendations. So if you go into the summary of recommendations, we'll share the links for these. The very first two pages. And that tells you how to read and interpret the recommendations. All right, so... There are three types of recommendations in this and all three are not equal. And this is something that people need to be aware of when they're reading research or looking at studies online is how you read them. These are guidelines for clinicians. All right. So they are it's intended to be read with a certain level of assumed knowledge. So we have three types of recommendations. There is an evidence based recommendation. So that means a structured or systematic evidence review was performed to answer a prioritised question to inform the recommendation. Then there are clinical consensus recommendations. And that means that either evidence to answer prioritised question was sought, but there was insufficient evidence to inform an evidence-based recommendation. Therefore, a narrative review was prepared by an expert subgroup of the guideline development group. Uh, or for questions of lower priority or where high quality evidence was known to be limited or non-existent, evidence was not sought and an expert subgroup within the guideline development group prepared a narrative review. Third type of recommendation is a clinical practice point, which is guidance based on expert opinion and clinical experience provided on important issues arising from discussion of evidence based or clinical consensus recommendations outside the scope of the evidence finding process. All a little bit jargony, but what that means is the recommendations are not necessarily all at the same level. Some are evidence based, some are based on expertise Um, And, you know, there are clinical consensus in them, but it's not the same as being evidence based. And so it's really important. I legitimately I think this is the one of the most important pages in the whole document is to read that because the people who are in this group, they bring their own biases. 
They bring their own experience. They bring their own self to this. So their clinical experience or if you if you were to, for example, right, this is why diversity is so important in studies and research. Because if this group was made up of cishet white men that were all, you know, really just one type of person with one type of experience, it couldn't possibly provide a good enough um, understanding of the diverse experiences of neurodivergent people. So that would be women, um, non-binary people, queer people, people of colour, etc. right? They couldn't do that. And so whenever you're reading something based around people's opinion or experience, you have to remember always, this is what critical thinking is. Who was it making the recommendation? What was the methodology used to make it? So these, you know, the fact that they've called this out up front, really important, really, really, really uh, helps you to kind of understand a little bit around the recommendations a little bit more. And I think one of the cool things uh, to take in as well is that, I guess it was two years of research. Yep. So they put in time and effort. Yeah. But it wasn't just like a guidelines, a bit of an overview. 111 clinical recommendations were made. Yep. Amazing. So that's amazing. It's not like here, here's our top 10. Mm-hmm. It was no, you've got to go bigger and broader and deeper and you've got to respect the fact that this is a real thing. Yeah. And you need to have more recommendations because of the variety of people that you're going to be have. Absolutely. What's your favourite thing to say? I was going to say Pain is Love by oh, Ja Rule. I freaking hate that. You say that all the time. No, ADHD is a spectrum. It's a spectrum. And it's not just a one size fits all. Yeah. It's a... It all comes down to that individual person and how it reflects and portrays through them. And their experiences, you know, everything that led to that point, the nature, the nurture, etc. Anyway, so um, on the next page that does talk about how, um, you know, how the levels of certainty that applies and these are codes or keys that that are against each recommendation and also the strength of recommendations on those evidence-based ones, and they go from strong through to conditional. So really important. So the uh, yeah, in the summary, it starts off with identification. Did you want to talk to that at all? Because there's some really interesting stuff in this for me. I just found something really shitty that I want to read out. Go on, then. And it's um, why is ADHD not considered a disability in Australia? And it's because it can be hard for someone with ADHD to meet the NDIS eligibility criteria for a severe and permanent disability. It's obviously quite complex if you're going to um, categorise people under certain outcomes, I suppose, Um, because the next part says, if you have ADHD and are likely to recover... What? Or are being successfully treated with medications, you're so unlikely to be really treated is good, but ADHD eligible. Is, yeah, this is why I said it was shitty because you're not going to recover. You're going to people are generally going to use medications to aid in their coping as one of their coping strategies, but also you're going to learn how to um, work and live with your ADHD and how. The symptoms um, develop manifest. and manifest yeah. for you. And, you know, one of the things that's really important, so ADHD is actually recognised as a disability in Australia under the 1992 Disability Discrimination Act. However, 
It is not under the NDIS because of those reasons you've said. And that is where somebody has made, or a group of people probably have made a judgment that ADHD isn't debilitating. Well, there are many, 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 many people who will tell you their ADHD symptoms, some, all, whatever, are actually debilitating and they cannot live their lives and it is a disability for them. And their experience is valid. Just because you take medication for a thing doesn't mean that that's the end result or the answer in the sense that just because you're medicated doesn't mean that you are recovered. No. Well, that's right. That idea about recovering from it. I mean, it's a genetic disorder. I hate the word disorder. It's a genetic condition that your brain is different. Like when the psychologist is talking about, um, you know, your frontal lobe and certain parts of your brain being more developed and certain parts being less developed. I mean, that's that's like saying if you have like, um, you know, an arm missing, it's going to grow back. Well, it's probably not. Right. I mean, I don't know why I said probably it's not going to grow back. But when we talk about invisible disabilities, There are many, many, many people with ADHD and other forms of neurodivergence, but we are focusing on ADHD today, who very much experience their ADHD as a disability. And I think that hopefully these guidelines will get to that, you know, with providing some support. The important thing to know is that these guidelines have happened and they are super amazing. The fact that now there is something in Australia to help assist not only GPs, not only medical professionals, but the parents, the schools, the teachers, and just even the people who have got diagnosed themselves. Yeah. There is something there now which can help join the dots to make life just so much easier for everyone. And that's just, that's a really cool thing. It really is. And so there is a thing around identification and it is actually really important because obviously the identification and... The diagnosis is one of the hardest parts. So there, there is a section here around high-risk groups. So there are different criteria for children um, and also children and adolescents and then adults, and then there's some for people of all ages. So I'm not going to read them word for word. Um, it does say that chil- clinicians should be aware that the following groups of children, adolescents and adults have an increased prevalence of ADHD compared with the general population. And it talks about things like children with anxiety disorders or if you have epilepsy or history of substance abuse or if you have any other mental health disorder, um, things like borderline personality disorder, oppositional defiance disorder, um, binge eating disorder or who experience suicidal ideation or behaviour. And then also if you have a neurodevelopmental disorder, including things like autism spectrum disorder, any intellectual disability, etc. Um, one thing that was interesting in here is if you are born preterm, if you have a sleep disorder, if you have a low birth weight. So when we look at our kid, she was four weeks early. She had a very low birth weight. Her weight has been very low for her entire life. Um, She's just like a noodle though. She grows long and thin. Yeah, to be fair, I did as well. And that changed at one point. <laughs> Oh, as um, you're not a noodle as of yesterday. You're stinky pickle. Stinky pickle. <laughs> and you were frustrated pickle, frustrated I think she pickle. called you, weren't you? Um, all right. And then it does say, 
clinicians should be aware that ADHD could be under-recognised in girls and women and that they are less likely to be referred for assessment for ADHD, may be more likely to have undiagnosed ADHD and may be more likely to receive an incorrect diagnosis of another mental health or neurodevelopmental disorder, such as an anxiety or depressive disorder. Side quest. So, hysteria. Do you know what I mean if I talk about hysteria? No. No. Okay, cool. So, historically, there used to be a thing not that long ago, so earlier on in the last century, so like in the 30s, I think 20s and 30s, 40s type of thing, where... Women who were overly sexual, so um, women who were too opinionated or too, if they had depression or anxiety, they would be diagnosed with hysteria, right? Like hysterical. They were hysterical. That's 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 where it comes from. That's what I would. Yeah. And so they would be given full frontal lobotomies. Remember the frontal lobe thing we were talking about? You can imagine that this was treated really well. (laughs) Men definitely didn't want to get rid of their wives and so claimed that they were hysterical and had them lobotomized. That definitely didn't absolutely happen fairly regularly. Um, You know, it was really badly abused. Now, when I read this, and I've thought about it before, that women may be more likely to receive an incorrect diagnosis of another mental health or neurodevelopmental disorder, such as anxiety or depressive disorder, that screams hysteria at me. You know, just that whole thing, women, you know, like we've talked about, have been, we're still feeling the effects of the centuries of being medically gaslit or just not believed, called hypochondriacs. Were men ever called hypochondriacs or was that just women? don't know, but I think I've got a new uh, segment. It's called Do 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 Lockie's Honest Moment. For them. I always thought like lobotomy was like a bum operation. (laughs) (laughs) What? Because it says bottom. They're going for a lobotomy. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> and that ends Lockie's honest moment. Oh, that was. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. Um, good. Okay. So that's. Um, anyway, so that, that's. <laughs> it's a whole other thing. That's a whole other, other operation. Men do have more of them than women, I believe. Um, as in the, you know, for bowel cancer and stuff. I think that's a high prevalence in men. Anyway, um, screening and identification. So when you look at that, it says should not occur at population level. In other words, they shouldn't test all kids for ADHD. It says organisations that provide services to people from high-risk groups, so in those ones above, should consider or could, sorry, could consider system, systematic screening for ADHD. Uh, clinicians conducting mental health or psychiatric diagnostic assessments with people from high-risk groups, as in the top, could screen for ADHD. Screening for ADHD in high-risk groups should occur when the person does not respond to treatment for high-risk condition as expected or is unable to adhere to their treatment protocol. I think this one's going to resonate with a lot of people. 
often has difficulty attending appointments on time or forgets appointments, shows sign of ADHD symptoms such as restlessness, difficulty maintaining routines, lack of time awareness, poor working memory, disorganisation, forgetfulness and distraction that are not explained by the psychiatric diagnoses, have resulted in or are associated with clinically significant psychological, social and or educational or occupational impairment. And then anybody who screens positive should undergo further diagnostic assessment for ADHD. I would never say any of those were your symptoms. Well, and I don't have them as bad as some people. Like definitely I can never get to things on time. I forget stuff we've all talked about. Like I think episode one, I talked about turning up for my appointment and I'd forgotten the referral (laughs) and a few other things. And then it goes on to say, so diagnosis is the second um, section on this. I really recommend people have a read. I think what we need to do is we'll come back to the rest of this. We'll, We'll hold it there at section one. I think we need to come back and look at sections two, three and four as well. Um, there is a whole lot more. There is, I mean, there's more beyond that, but I think that that's where we're going to get to is we're going to need to come back and look at each one. It's going to be like the bloody Final Fantasy movies, Final Digits 1, Final Digits 2, <laughs> Final Digits 3. <laughs> well, look, I thought legitimately we would get through more, um, but there are eight points in the summary of the research. So, you know, I think we're going to need to come back to it. Because I don't think we're going to do it justice if we're over an hour in and we're we're only at point one. True, we better creep it real. That was another Halloween one. You're welcome. All right, so we are going to leave it there. We are going to come back to that. We really thought we were going to be able to cover the whole thing in one um, episode, but actually, I think it's too big. It was witchful thinking. <laughs> Look, there is a bit of me that's very impressed at all of these, right? Like, I'm not going to pretend I'm not. I do quite enjoy them, um, but also at the same time I die a little bit on the inside, so, yeah. Dying because it's Halloween. Exactly. Um, I am enjoying our house. It is covered in all sorts of dangly things and, well, that sounded bad, and spiders and pumpkins and all sorts of things. It's amazing. I love it. It is. It has got a little bit of a uh, Halloween bomb going on. I am loving it. Oh, Did you know that nobody won the skeleton race? Thank you. Yeah, that is great. Thanks for that. You're yeah. welcome. I'd make a skeleton joke, but you wouldn't find it very humorous. All right. So, as always, um, if you have any questions for us, if uh, you want us to deep dive into this, now we might not get into this for into the rest of this for episode eleven. We will come back to it. <laughs> you might need to remind me. If you've Love- got it, haunt it. <laughs> I quite like that one. So thank you for joining us. As always, come find us on the socials. I've been really, really quiet on the socials in the last couple of weeks. Or last week, yeah, last week to two weeks. Just don't have the time and honestly just struggling a little bit with everything else that's going on. So um, you know, it's not so easy making fun content, uh, enjoying music and stuff when you know, we've just got had a few things going on. But we'll get back there. Uh, F them fish ADHD for grown-ups on all of the channels I'm still not using Twitter I wouldn't bother <laughs> honestly I wouldn't bother I don't go on there um, but certainly uh, Instagram TikTok and Facebook we are on um, F them fish at gmail.com thank you very much I almost just gave out our phone number <laughs> 
Well, one of our I phone numbers. I am not going to give out my mobile. Um, yeah, so we'd love to see you over there. Um, please, please, please keep sending us your messages. Love Send the us your voice, voice memos. memos. They're, yeah. they're fun. I mean, we love all the messages, right? But it just, I don't know, when you hear someone actually saying it, it feels even more real. Feel Come free to grab me in the street. Love it. Yeah, me too. Follow me on the travel later. Yes, exactly. Um, but yeah, and we will see you next time on the podcast. And uh, we've loved having you here. Take care, everyone. Thank you. Bye. This podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Ngunnawal and Yambri people, and we pay respect to Mother Earth, the footprints that came before us, the ones we follow now, and the footsteps that will guide us long into the future.